Good evening. Yesterday we were together and we remember Jesus in that upper room celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples. He made his way out to the garden at Gethsemane where he willingly gave himself up. And he went through a a mockery of a, a trial, a beating, and ultimately today on Good Friday we remember when he was upon a cross. This time, this moment, this place called uh, Calvary, where Christ took the sins of the world upon himself for you and for me. And the object of our attention today is not the cross. It's the person who went upon that cross. And during those hours on that cross, he had some things to say and some things to share. We hear those words now. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23, 34. When I hear that verse, to me, it makes me think about how Jesus fulfilled his own words about loving your enemies. He provided a way to salvation for even those who killed him. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Luke 23, verse 43. My prayer is that this verse will strike people because if Jesus can say these words to a criminal hanging next to him on the cross, the thoughts that go through our heads that we aren't worthy to step foot in a church will leave their minds and they will know they are worthy and wanted and they will come. Woman, behold thy son. John, chapter 19, verse 26. So what that verse means to me is Jesus is telling John, his disciple, that to take care of Mary, his mother, as he's on the cross, and he knows that he's not coming back. But at the same time, he's also saying that to us, to remind us that we're to take care of one another. That, that was one of his commandments, is that we were to love one another just as he loved us.
My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Mark 15, 34. This is the moment where God separated himself from Jesus. And I take assurance, reassurance in the fact that God promises he will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus has taken that on for us. finished John 19:30 To me that that states that all the work that the Father sent Jesus to do had been accomplished and there is now no penalty that we can pay to truly pay for our own sins Jesus paid it all all the suffering he took so when i think about me trying to carry the pain of my own sin. When I say I've laid it at the feet of Jesus, then I need to leave it there. He suffered and bled and died for that. I don't have to carry it and feel guilty about it my whole life when I've laid it at his feet and turned the other way. So thank you, God, that you finished it and suffered and bled and cast our sins as far as the east is to the west.
Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Luke chapter 23, verse 46. When I read this this morning, it came to me that I should actually research the entire verse. And the most important part is the part that isn't spoken. Jesus says this as he's dying on the cross. He's up there. He's been there for six hours roughly. And as he's dying, the other part of the verse at the beginning says that Jesus called out in a loud voice, meaning he's dying. And yet he wants everybody to hear these words because he knows he's going home to the Father.
Father God, we come to you tonight knowing that where we are gathered, you are with us. And Lord, tonight we ask that you send your Holy Spirit to be with us, to remind us of the great sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. Lord, tonight, let us not forget any of that, the story of Good Friday. Lord, we ask that tonight you bless the message we're about to receive, as well as the music we play, and let it be all for your glory and not for ours. Lord, we pray, pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.
Good Friday. A moment and a time in history unlike anything else. I call it the great exchange. Our sin, our yuck, our deserving uh, punishment and eternal separation forever for the glory that comes in Christ. It's hard for me to fathom. It's hard for me to understand. Why would somebody do it? Well, I would like to set straight um, a theological point. There are some people that will say, now, why did Jesus go to a cross like this? And one of the answers is, well, it's because of my sin. I'm going to say it's partly right, but it's mostly wrong. What moved Jesus to come and to go on a cross like this? It wasn't really our sin. It was his love for us. His looking down on this earth, him seeing that we would be lost and separated from God for eternity, and he would not have that. So with, with a, a love that is unlike any love we've ever experienced, he said, I'll do it. I'll go down to this earth, I'll put flesh on, I'll live, I'll be here for 33 years, and then I'll go into Jerusalem, and then I'll go to a cross like this, and I will hang on there, and I will take the insults, I will take the beatings, I will take the agony of death, because I love people like us. I mean, I, I can't explain it better than that. So my prayer is that God's Holy Spirit would work within us and that we would understand more and more fully this great exchange, our sin for the glory of what Christ has done on the cross. So may that good news move you beyond Good Friday to look to Easter Sunday. Yes, sorrow and grieve over the death of Jesus for our sin, but also we look to the glory of Easter and knowing that he won the victory. So that means we can grieve as people who have hope. And we're going to hold on tightly to the love of God in Christ Jesus and to nothing else. God's grace is amazing. Amen. Desire anything that is not of you and is of me, cause I want more of you and less of me.
song we're going to do something that's a little different um, it's a song by Brad Paisley and Sarah Evans called New Again and I want you guys at home to maybe close your eyes during this listen to the message really closely it's essentially the crucifixion story Jesus talking to Mary and it's pretty powerful exactly how it's supposed to be.
This is not, it's not the end. I am making all things new again. I remember when you were born in that manger where I first held you in my arms. So many miracles and lives you've changed. hard to come up here after a song like that. Just picturing the, the love between a mother and a son and um, all that took place about 2,000 years ago. Um, before I, I continue with uh, what I'm going to be doing, just uh, one announcement. Um, as the band is making its way off this, the stage, uh, we're going to be simulating that moment where Jesus was left all alone. And it's uh, he alone that took on the weight of the world for you and for me. But don't forget, Easter, Easter. Easter is what gives us hope, gives us joy, and gives us purpose to keep living our lives. And so don't forget, our Easter celebration is going to be at 1030 on Sunday, um, Central Time. And again, it'll be on demand after that, so you can uh, catch up uh, if you can't watch it at 1030 in the morning.
Now, uh, what I'm going to read for you, I, I came across, uh, I want to say 12 years ago. And I remember just reading it as I was just, I don't know what I was doing. I was researching, studying for, um, for Good Friday, and I came across this. And I'll have to tell you, you know the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they really tell the story of the passion of Christ and all that he did for us. But you know that those Gospels don't tell us every little detail. There's more. Those are really important details. This reading adds a little bit of conjecture, a little bit of humanity, a little bit of emotion that when I read it the first time, I, you know, again, I paused, I, I sobbed, I, I cried. So I'm going to read this for you, and I want you just to, again, picture this 2,000 years ago and picture the journey of Jesus as he made his way into Jerusalem and then up to that the place called Golgotha, the skull, where he took upon the weight of the world, your sin and mine. Then Jesus walks on beyond the city gates. It's nine o'clock in the morning, Friday. Through the steady rain, Jesus glances up from the base of a rocky hill. It's named Golgotha, the skull. At the top, he sees several posts fixed in the ground. Three of those poles stand ready to receive their crossbeams and the tattered body of Jesus and the two criminals carrying their crosses behind him. At the top of the hill, the merciful centurion hands Jesus a cup. Jesus sniffs the liquid. It's wine mixed with myrrh, a mild narcotic to dull the pain. But Jesus is meant to feel all the pain. So he hands the cup back. This is not the cup of the Father. A soldier strips Jesus. Again, his back is set on fire as skin tears away with the cloth. Now Jesus lays naked in the dirt. The dark man places the crossbeam by Jesus' head. This time Jesus sees his face. It is Simon of Cyrene. Jesus knows him by name and did before there was time. The beam becomes his pillow now. Two men take hold of his hands. The soldier on his left yanks his arm as far as it will go. But the soldier to his right is gentler. Jesus turns to him. It's the merciful centurion again. He picks up a cold spike and places it at Jesus' wrist. And then he picks up a hammer. Their eyes meet. Eternal love shines forth. And the centurion is undone. He looks away and lifts his hammer. In that moment, Jesus hears his own word of power. The word of power that holds the merciful centurion in existence. The word of power that causes the hammer to be. He's speaking it into being. The soldiers, the priests, the thieves, the friends, the mothers, the brothers, the mob, the wooden beams, the spikes, the thorns, the crown beneath them, and the dark clouds gathering above. If he ceases to speak, they will all cease to be. But he wills that they remain. So the soldiers live on. And the hammers 
come crashing down. Jesus is lifted on his crossbeam to the post. He sags, held only by the spikes in his wrists. Jesus designed the median nerves in his arms that were working perfectly now. The pain shoots up those nerves and explodes in his skull as the crossbeam is set into place. His left foot is now pressed against his right foot. Both feet are extended, toes down, and spike. A spike is driven through the arch of each. His knees are bent. Jesus immediately pushes himself up to relieve the pain in his outstretched arms. He places his full weight on the spikes in his feet, and they tear through the nerves. Splinters from the post pierce his lacerated back, searing agony. Quickly, waves of cramps overtake him, deep, throbbing pain from his head to his toes. He no longer is able to push himself up, and his knees buckle. He's hanging now by his arms. His pectoral muscles are paralyzed, and his intercostals are useless. Jesus can inhale, but he cannot exhale. His compressed heart is struggling to pump blood to his torn tissue. He fights to raise himself in order to breathe and in order to speak. He looks down at the soldiers now gambling for his clothes. He pushes himself up through the violent pain to pray aloud, Father, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Then he sags back into silence. But the crowd is not silent. Though he can barely hear their taunts through the din of his pain. He saved others, let him save himself. If you're the Christ, come down off the cross. Save yourself, king of the Jews. The criminal on the cross to his left joins the mockery. But the thief to his right repents. Jesus pushes himself up to say to him, truly, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. It's noon now. The rain falls harder and the clouds blacken. Jesus looks down through wet strands of hair into the familiar face of a woman. A new pain grips him. Greater pain than all the whips and spikes in the kingdom of Rome. It's his own mother. She's sobbing so hard that her breathing is as labored as his. Without words, she looks into his eyes and begs to know why. He longs to hold her and to tell her that it's all for her. He pushes upward and says, woman. And then he looks his friend John in the eyes. John is standing behind her, supporting his own mother weeping. He is now your son. And then to John, Jesus murmurs. And she is now your mother. Take her away from here. 
and he sags back into silence, back into countless hours of limitless pain. Then Jesus is startled by a foul odor. It isn't the stench of open wounds. It's something else. And it crawls inside him. He looks up to his father. His father looks back, but Jesus doesn't recognize those eyes. They pierce the invisible world with fire and darken the visible sky. And Jesus feels dirty. He hangs between earth and heaven, filthy with human discharge on the outside, and now filthy with human wickedness on the inside. And the Father speaks, Son of man, why have you sinned against me and heaped scorn on my great glory? You are self-sufficient and self-righteous, consumed with yourself and puffed up and selfishly ambitious. You rob me of my glory and worship what's inside of you instead of looking out to the one who created you. You are greedy, lazy, gluttonous, slanderer, and gossip. You are a lying, conceited, ungrateful, cruel, adulterer. You practice sexual immorality. You make pornography and you fill your mind with vulgarity. You exchange my truth for a lie and worship the creature instead of the creator. And so you are given up to your ungodly passions, dressing immodestly and lusting after what is forbidden. With all your heart you love perverse pleasure. You hate your brother and murder him with the bullets of anger fired from your own heart. You kill babies for your convenience. You oppress the poor and deal slaves and ignore the needy. You persecute my people. You love money and prestige and honor. You put on a cloak of outward piety, but inside you are filled with dead man's bones. You hypocrite. You are lukewarm and easily enticed by the world. You covet and can't have, so you murder. You are filled with envy and rage and bitterness and unforgiveness. You blame others for your sin, are too proud to even call it sin. You are never slow to speak, and you have a razor tongue that lashes and cuts with its criticism and sinful judgment. Your words do not impart grace. Instead, your mouth is a fountain of condemnation and guilt and obscene talk. You are a false prophet leading people astray. You mock your parents. You have no self-control. You are a betrayer who stirs up division and factions. You're a drunkard and a thief. You're an anxious coward. You do not trust me. You blaspheme against me. You are an unsubmissive wife, and you are a lazy, disengaged husband. You file for divorce and crush the parable of my love for the church. You practice divination. You worship demons. The list of your sins goes on and on and on. And I hate things, these things inside of you. I am filled with disgust and indignation for your sin consumes me. Now, drink my cup. And Jesus does. He drinks for hours. He downs every 
drop of the scolding liquid of God's own hatred of sin mingled with his white-hot wrath against that sin. This is the Father's cup, omnipotent hatred and anger for the sins of every generation, past, present, and future, omnipotent wrath directed at one naked man hanging on a cross. The Father can no longer look at his beloved Son, his heart's treasure, the mirror image of himself, and he looks away. Jesus pushes himself upward and howls to heaven, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Silence. Separation. Jesus whispers, I am thirsty, and he sags. The merciful centurion soaks a sponge in sour wine and lifts it on a reed to Jesus' lips. And the sour wine is the sweetest drink he ever tasted. Jesus pushes himself up again and cries out loud, It is finished! And it is. Every sin of every child of God has been laid on Jesus, and he drank the cup of God's wrath dry. It's three o'clock. Friday afternoon, and Jesus finds one more surge of strength. He presses his torn feet against the spikes, strengthens his legs, and with one last grip of air, cries out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he dies. The merciful centurion sees Jesus' body fall far forward and his head drop low. He thrusts a spear up behind Jesus' ribs, one more piercing for our transgression, and water and blood flow out of his broken heart. And the merciful centurion looks up at the lifeless body of Jesus and is filled with awe. He drops to his knees and declares, truly this man was the Son of God. Mission accomplished, sacrifice accepted, forgiveness of sins, and the assurance, the eternal assurance, we are never alone. Amen.
we pray together the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.